It is well past time that Mackenzie Holmes starts getting her flowers nationally. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. I want to thank you if you're tuning in to the live stream for joining us after the IU women's basketball game. They come away, as we kind of predicted, easily winners on... Wednesday night, I had to think what night it was that they played the game on Wednesday night against Minnesota, 77 to 54. We'll talk about that game. Mackenzie Holmes was incredible again. She belongs right in the middle of any National Player of the Year conversation. Before we do that, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. IU Minnesota went basically how we thought it would. IU raced out to a big lead. They're up 20 to 6 after one quarter, 41 to 20 at halftime. It wasn't close. And then IU kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and didn't take the third quarter all that seriously. Got outscored by two points. I think the game got. Uh, within like 12, maybe it didn't get to single digits. It, IU seemed to get kind of bored and then went on a couple runs to spread the lead out again and win this one pretty comfortably. 35 to 12, 37 to 12 looks like the biggest lead of the game in the first half. It, this game was just done and dusted early on because of a number of reasons. If you're looking at individuals, it was Mackenzie Holmes going for 28 points on 12 of 14 shooting, not only is she scoring at an absurd rate this season, the efficiency with which she is doing it, she's shooting just a tick under 70% from the field this season. That's hard to like wrap your head around <laughs> that she she's shooting almost 70% from the field while averaging um, 22 points per game. She has 28 on Saturday, Wednesday. I don't know what day it is of the week. On Wednesday, four rebounds, four blocks, played 32 minutes, was a plus 17. She deserves, if you look at a lot of the kind of articles and the discussions about National Player of the Year, we keep mentioning it, that she belongs in that conversation. I think it probably needs to be more of a concentrated push to get her in that conversation because I I started looking during the game. There aren't a lot of places that list her among like the, the top candidates, which is insane. Uh, she is as good as anyone in the country and the Hoosiers are a top five team right now. The best team in the big 10, a final four contender, there is no reason to not have her in these conversations. Wednesday was the latest example of that. Just a ho-hum, 28 points, 12 of 14 shooting, and made it look easy. Throughout the whole game, 
it, nothing, everything looks so effortless. And I mean that as a compliment, like so fluid, like uh, she is as patient a post player as you'll find. The moment you make a mistake, she has the footwork uh, and the bag of tricks to punish you for it. So incredible by her. Also plaudits to Sydney Parrish, who was incredible in her own right. The two of them had 14 points apiece in the first half. Parrish finished with 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting, 3 of 4 from the feet, or from the three-point line, 4 of 5 from the free throw line, chipped in 8 rebounds as well, 5 steals. Again, another thing that we said, and I, I've talked to some people, she was used basically only as a spot-up shooter in Oregon. So that's kind of what we had to go off of when she came here. She is so, so, so much more than that. And it's proving to be this great leader. It almost feels like an insult to call her a glue piece. She scored 23 points tonight, but she's everywhere, doing everything at all times. Eight rebounds, two assists, a block, five steals. She's... Wherever there's a fire, she puts it out defensively. She's always talking on defense, always communicating. And come, she's come in and immediately become a leader on this team. And for someone that is transferring in to a new program, for her to feel that comfortable right away is – uh, impressive, both in terms of kind of the camaraderie she's been able to build, but it also speaks to how much, how smart she is, her IQ, that the coaches and the players understand that she knows what she's talking about. So I, I've said it many times, I underestimated the impact Sydney Parrish would have on this team. I knew it was a big transfer when we got her, and we talked a lot about it during the summer, but seeing her come in, and perform the way she has this season. Uh, she's been vital to everything Indiana has done this season. There's a reason she stayed in the starting lineup when Grace Berger came back, and she's not going anywhere. As long as she's in Indiana, she's not going anywhere. She has uh, solidified herself in that regard. Defensively, last thing I want to mention – the Hoosiers were um, dominant on that end. They have been all season, but they were dominant on Wednesday. They forced – I had to do a double a double take. They forced 29 turnovers from the Golden Gophers. They had 12 steals. They turned the 29 turnovers into 30 points, so – they the way they're able to to suffocate you on that end of the floor is what makes this team i think at the end of the day a title contender cuz no matter how bad things might be on the offensive end and we're i want to talk more about that in the next segment no matter how bad things are on the offensive end um the defense is always good and it keeps them in the game if you look at that ohio state game when the offense was wasn't working the first half and they were struggling to get things going. Uh, it was the defense that kept the game close and allowed them to stay within striking distance. 
so that when the offense did get going in the third quarter, IU was able to shoot ahead. So the defense, for all the plaudits the offense gets and McKenzie Holmes and all that, it's the defense that is going to make this team a title contender at the end of the day. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other individuals as well as a little bit more about offensively what makes this IU team so good. We'll do all that here in a minute. Let's talk about the sponsor of today's episode, FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. We are excited to have them here with us as also the official sports book partner of, or of Locked On. And now's a great time to get started with FanDuel because if you sign up today, new bettors will get a no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. If your first bet does not win, you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to props. Who's going to score the first touchdown? Is Trace Jackson Davis going to have over or under 25 points? Whatever it may be, there's all kind of props for you guys to bet on. It's The app is safe, secure, super easy to use. You get your winnings right away. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet at Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Again, thank you for joining us on YouTube. I'll look at some questions and comments here in a minute. Locked On is at the Senior Bowl. If you guys have not seen, get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college. Find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday. Uh, they were live. They were there Tuesday, Wednesday. They're there tonight. You guys can go back and catch those shows. Watch tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can catch everything that they've talked about. Cam Jones has been there. I haven't seen uh, a lot about how he, he's been. We might check in on that uh, at the end of this week. But uh, some, it's always a, a fun time to see Senior Bowl, see who uh, jumps out and potentially rises up those draft boards, as we said. Uh, Bargesser hit the floor hard late in the game. Is she okay? I have not seen any quotes from Terry Morin after the game. I'm, I know that there wasn't a lot of media there. And, I mean, there weren't a lot of people there, period, to be honest. So I'm, I have not seen anything. We will uh, pay attention to that heading into the um, Purdue game on Sunday. Both teams, men's and women's, play Purdue. We turned the ball over too much. We did. Look, honestly, <laughs> I can't blame them too much. It's It really seemed like this team came out for the first 10 to 15 minutes, put the pedal to the metal, got up 25, 26 points, and then just shifted into neutral and cruised through the rest of the game. This team is good enough to do that. Uh, the men's team, other teams are not good enough to do that this team can kind of play in first or second gear and shift it up a little bit as they did in the third quarter. Late in the third quarter, they made a run uh, to spread out the lead again. They're able to do that and 
against a team like Minnesota, who, I mean, we've mentioned they were, there just wasn't a lot of talent there. I don't even mean that like being mean or rude, pun intended. It's just this team is on the downside. They've had a couple of key players transfer. Sarah Scalia among them. She had 10 points on Wednesday, but it was 3 of 10 shooting. It really seemed like she had busted out of her slump finally. I, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, it. It looked like she had against, I believe, Ohio State. It wasn't the Ohio State game. It was a game before that. Uh, Illinois. At Illinois, it looked like she'd busted out of her slump. But against Ohio State, against Rutgers, and tonight, it's still, it hasn't all clicked. She's had these starts and stops in these moments, but it's got to be frustrating for her. It was, it was working at the beginning of the season, and it's just been this kind of really long rut she had able to get out of. Terry Morin stuck with her, and I, I mean, if she does break out, it's a huge bonus for Indiana, but right now, uh, I don't know what it is. She just kind of can't get out of this slump she's been in for uh, much of this season. If you guys did not see it, I meant to mention this earlier. Alexa Goulbay and Nicole Cardano-Hillary, two former Hoosiers, played each other earlier this week. Uh, It was on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, The two sides played one another. They're both playing in Spain. Alexa Goulbe came off the bench, played 26 minutes, and had a uh, season-high 18 points for her. 18 points, 5 rebounds. Led her side to a win. Nicole Cardano-Hillary is starting. She didn't do a lot statistically, but anybody that watched IU last year knows that her impact goes beyond any kind of statistical one. So that was just a cool little aside to see those two playing each other in Spain. So... Hats off to them. It's it's cool to see the two of them playing professionally overseas, and hopefully things continue to work out for them. Uh, this IU team, if you're looking at last year's team that had Cardano, Hillary, and Goulbay, and this one, I think the biggest difference that we've talked about is the offense. IU was also really good defensively last year as well, and that's the backbone of any contending team is that you have to have a strong defense the difference is um the offense this year is just more dynamic there are so many ways iu can win games and if you guys did not see uh sabrina merchant of the athletic wrote an article a really great article last week before the iu ohio state game I would highly recommend going and reading it. We've had Sabrina on before on this podcast. We might bring her on again uh, toward the end of the season, maybe leading into the NCAA tournament. But she wrote in that piece about how Indiana has so many ways they can beat you. And she said this kind of throughout the season. She does a weekly power rankings that you guys should check out as well. Gives us a sense, gives at least me a sense and the readers a sense of, of who's good around the country. It's the fact that at the top of every scouting report this year is going to be Mackenzie Holmes. She is, as we said, one of the best players in the nation, deserves to be in the National Player of the Year discussions. The difference is that was the case last year, but then 
you could account for Grace Berger, account for Goulbay on given nights, but you had players. I don't again, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but Nicole Cardania Hillary and Ali Patberg at times could be good offensive players, but that wasn't their best skill. I, defensively, I think was probably their best skills. They had moments and they had nights when things were going that uh, you could get big nights from them and you win some games. This year, you have players. Grace is still around. She struggled again shooting the ball on Wednesday, two of 10 shooting, but she had nine assists, five rebounds. I'm never really worried about Grace because it seems like when it's when it matters, when she's needed, she can get it done. And so I'm a, a lot less worried about Grace in that regard. But you have players like Sydney Parrish who can score from the outside, attack on the drive, pass, do a little bit of everything, rebound, help get those second chance points, although they weren't many tonight. IU shot 50% from the field, so there weren't a lot of second-chance points to even be had. You have someone like her. You have someone like Yarden Garzon, who has been phenomenal. I was also looking up National Freshman of the Year, kind of the race for that, whether she is going to be in that conversation. Probably not, but she that doesn't take away her impact. She's probably not going to win National Freshman of the Year just because scoring-wise she hasn't put up the gaudy numbers uh, consistently. There, There's freshmen averaging 20 points per game. That doesn't lessen the impact that Garzon has made as a freshman on a Final Four contender. That is very rare to see someone come in and be that impactful. So. She has been phenomenal. We've seen her. She's still shooting 50% from three this season, which she's it's on 105 attempts. So, like, it's not a fall, uh, small volume. She's incredible offensively. So you have to account for her. Chloe Moore McNeil is, the, I think, the glue player for this Indiana team. Can handle the ball, can get to the rim, can... Uh, create for her and for others. And then ideally you have someone like Scalia who can come off the bench and be a three-point specialist. If she's not in this rut she's in, you have other players. Lexus Bargasser, uh, she played 12 minutes tonight. She's been a consistent piece in this rotation. Uh, so you have a number of players who aren't quite as one-dimensional as last season, and it's it leads to nights where some nights you'll win through Mackenzie Holmes. A lot of nights you'll win through her. Some nights you'll win through your guards, uh, Parrish, Berger, Scalia. If you look, think back to that UNC game, Scalia going bonkers from three, Sydney Parrish having a career night. She was one point away tonight from matching that. That's her season best. They can beat the press. They can beat zone defenses. This Indiana team just has a number of ways that they can beat people, which is, I think, what separates it from last year's team. Last year's team was really good, and the defense could keep games close on most nights. This year, the defense would keep it close, and the offense pushes them over that edge. So I'm excited to see the Iowa game are going to be the challenges or, or the barometers for this team. And we'll see how they 
fare against uh, that high pace offense here in a couple weeks. Let's look at bracketology since we're talking about national contenders and whatnot. We will look at the men's side, the women's side, both. We'll do all that here in just one moment. Let's start on the men's side. Uh, Joe Lenardi released his latest bracketology on Tuesday morning. So this has the benefit of not accounting for IU's loss against Maryland. The Hoosiers were a five seed. They'd moved up closer to being a four seed. They would be in the Midwest region, though they would be going to Orlando. I, th- The closest region it looks like is Columbus. Outside of that, there isn't really anywhere around Indiana that the Hoosiers can even be sent to Des Moines. Like the, it's not really close. So they would have went to Orlando as part of the Midwest Regional, which is in Kansas City. They would have played, or they would play Charleston in this scenario. The four seed would be Baylor against who would play UC Santa Barbara. I just looked up Baylor to get a sense of what they have done. They lost on Monday, so um, they they were moving down a little bit. It's a Baylor team that is really good offensively. Maybe not really good. Overall, efficiency-wise, they're good. They're good rebounding the ball. They're good at getting to the free throw line. In Big 12 play, they have been the best offense in terms of efficiency because they don't turn the ball over and they get rebounds. Uh, They have just been a horrible defense. Uh, They don't stop teams really in any way, especially inside the arc. Uh, They don't block anybody. They don't turn the ball over that much or create turnovers, I should say. And they put people on the line. uh, Or no, they keep people off the line. Excuse me. That's about the only positive that they have defensively. So it would be an interesting matchup. I use defense has been hot and cold, and uh, it's been interesting at times. But this is a game that certainly – Baylor, you would think, would allow them to play pretty well offensively. I don't know that I want IU in a shootout, though. We'll see, but I I didn't look a ton into it because this is one bracketology in late January, early February. So it was just one scenario. The one seed in that region was Alabama. Kansas was the two seed. Yuck. Kansas, I think, is a bad matchup for Indiana. Gonzaga is a three seed. I don't know how I love how I like that either. UNC was an eight seed in that one. So that would be a tough region. The problem is Purdue being probably a one seed means we're almost certainly not going to be around them. Maybe we could. The last thing I want is Hayu versus Purdue in a NCAA tournament game. Even with Purdue always uh I want to make sure I say this without getting clipped. Purdue has a history of coming up short in the tournament. So even taking that into account, IU has a history of not making the tournament in recent years. I don't want that stress of playing Purdue in a tournament game because that is a one-upsman or a one-up, I should say, that wouldn't go away. You won the biggest game the two teams have played. So I don't want that. Purdue being a one seed means it's going to force Indiana into – 
other brackets and probably away from the Midwest region. There is Louisville as a regional, but uh, I mean, they're not going to volunteer to send IU there. So I, it, IU would have to move up quite a bit to get into a Louisville regional, but could you imagine IU versus Purdue in Louisville as like a sweet 16 game? My heart could not take that. On the women's side, we've mentioned this before. There are only two regionals. South Carolina is going to have the one seed and is going to be in Greenville. The other regional is in Seattle. So it's not really like there's a good place to go when it comes to uh, the women's side and where they're located. The first rounds are obviously hosted by whoever the top seed in that little bracket is. So if you're a top four team, you host the first two rounds. Indiana as the one seed would take on the winner of Wofford and Sacred Heart as 16 seeds. Alabama versus USC as the eight and nine seeds. This bracket would have some familiar names in it. NC State who the Hoosiers have a bit of history with in recent years. Nebraska would be in the play-in game in that bracket as a 12 seed. Nebraska, there were a lot of expectations for them this year, and they have struggled on the women's side. Purdue would be an 11 seed. UNC, who the Hoosiers beat earlier this year, would be a three seed. Tennessee, who the Hoosiers beat earlier this year, would be a seven seed. So Some interesting teams in that. Utah would be a two-seed. I'm not even going to pretend that I know a lot about Utah, but this is also a scenario where it's going to be interesting because Ohio State and Iowa are two of the other two-seeds, and LSU is the other one, and they're undefeated. So when you're talking two-seeds, you're not going to get anybody that's like easy. It's more are you going to get somebody like Ohio State or Iowa who are familiar I think Indiana matches up really, really well with Ohio State, especially against their press. Again, I don't want this clipped, but I think if I had to pick, I would pick Iowa. But I don't know that the bracket is – I don't know that they're going to set up the bracket to have a Big Ten matchup at any point. Uh, As long as we don't play UConn like last year, I don't know about the terrible refing part. UConn was just better than Indiana last year. UConn's a one-seed we don't have to play them in you in Connecticut this year. And that is my biggest positive. Uh, that was silly. And I don't have to complain about that this year. So Indiana is pretty securely a one seed right now. It could change. There's two games against Iowa and you could lose those. And Iowa very easily takes your spot as a one seed, but, uh, IU, I would be surprised unless things really go awry in these in this last month, which it is going to be a tough month. I would be surprised if they slip slip below a two seed. I would my I would just want to stay from, away from South Carolina by any means necessary. If they fall to a two seed, do not be in South Carolina's bracket because South Carolina, I think, is far and away the best team. Be in anybody else's bracket, not South Carolina. But when you're a one or a two seed, you're you're a good team in your own right. So I, even against South Carolina, there would be ways IU would have advantages. There aren't, there might not be anybody that can stop Mackenzie Holmes. We'll get a look. Monica Sonano, IU couldn't stop her last year for Iowa, so we'll get a look uh, here in a couple of weeks. But I'm really excited about this IU women's team. This feels like a really special team. 
March and knock on wood, April could be special months for the IU basketball program. We'll see. It, it could be something really fun. It, if you want to save up for a final four, uh, you could head to the women's final four this year. We will see. I'm not going to say book your tickets, but this is as good a chance as Indiana may have ever had at a final four. And so I'm excited. I'm very excited about what this women's team could do. I was trying to look. I can't remember where the final four is at. It's in Dallas. If you want to head down to Texas, March 31st, April 2nd, you can watch that. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen today or for tuning in on the live stream. We will be back tomorrow. Maybe assess some things with the men's basketball team. Start looking ahead to that Purdue game. It's going to be a a doozy of a game. So we'll start previewing that tomorrow. For your second listen, check out the brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shaden and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube, wherever you guys get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter if you guys have not already. Leave a, a like if you're on YouTube. Subscribe, all that great stuff. Follow on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you're listening to us at. Leave a rating or review. You guys know all the deal. Appreciate the support you guys continue to give us. We're getting into the fun stretch. March Madness is coming up. Everybody loves March Madness. So make sure you guys are subscribed and ready to join in on the wild ride it is going to be. As always, everyone, I hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Get your minds ready for a big couple of games against Purdue this weekend because it's going to be fun. But until then, Elio.